with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right. Good morning, Prince George. Uh, welcome to the show this morning. Today, I am very pleased to have the third set of trustees um, in, in the studio here, and the third and final set, actually. And then, But before we begin with the folks that are in the room, maybe what I'll, I'll just briefly say who they are, and then I do have a statement from one of the candidates that couldn't attend. So in the studio, I have Milton Mahoney, David Lowe, and Char McCrory, my... Um, uh, Don Fitzpatrick wanted me, uh, was unable to come, so I'm going to read um, at least part of his statement. Uh, so his name is Don Fitzpatrick. He moved to Prince George in 1991, and he's gone through the school system here. <clears throat> Currently, he works at a local car dealership and is actively engaged with uh, organizing fundraisers and hosting events, etc., through in our community. Um, as a trustee, he feels he brings to the table a willingness to, com- to communicate, negotiation skills, and a don't quit until I get the answers attitude. He served on the board of directors for a local nonprofit, and he is well versed in how a functional, productive board should run. And he is uh, assessing SD57 as in a bit of a state of chaos, and morale is low, and enro- enrollment rates are dropping. There is too much to focus Um, on the board uh, that is trying to make themselves look good and the reason for the existence of the board has been forgotten. And he is in favor of programs that support and encourage higher education. And so he does support programs for gifted students. That being said, we cannot forget the needs of the students who are struggling. Um, And he feels that he is the one who can help to hold the board and the... the, um, Oh, sorry. Our board has failed to meet the needs of the students in our district, and we need to elect someone who can and will hold them accountable. And so that is from candidate Don Fitzpatrick. All right. So um, how about uh, start with David or Shar? Which one do which? Who wants to start? David, let's. So uh, in front of me, I've got three candidates. David Lowe, how about we'll begin with you, and if you can just give us a brief introduction of who you are. I'm David Lowe. I've been uh, living in Prince George since 1992. I've been married for 52 years. Uh, I've been involved in financial counseling, uh, literacy uh, courses. I started my life off after I graduated from high school, uh, getting a master's degree in counseling. After that, I, uh, I taught in uh, public schools and private schools <clears throat> before I went into financial counseling. And uh, uh, what I bring to the table is a, is a team effort and uh, working together to solve the problems that we have in our in our school district. All right, thank you, Shar. Good morning. My name is Shar McCrory. I've lived in Northern BC for over thirty years, but I'm a transplant to Prince George. I just moved here last summer. Um, I currently work for Northern Health and have worked for them for seven years but recently took a regional role, and that led me to coming to Prince George and working here. I've always been community and civic-minded and have sat on a number of boards over the years. Um, In Prince George, I'm on the Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Northern BC Board of Directors and have been there for two years now. I'm a mom, first and foremost. I have three nearly adult children, and um, they've all gone through the public school system in northern BC, not in Prince George. 
Um, I'm running for school board 57 trustee because from 2014 to 2022, I was a trustee in school district 82, which is Terrace, Kitimat, Stewart, and Hazelton. And in that role, I was the chair and uh, vice chair for most of those years. So what I feel I can bring to the table is that experience and that knowledge of what it means to be a trustee and what the roles and responsibilities are with that. The focus for me is students first and their achievement. We are not supporting students to the most of their ability at this time, and I feel that we can do a better job of that. All right. Well, thank you, Char. And so, Milton Mahoney, how about you? Hi, I'm Milton Mahoney. Good morning, everybody. Heck of a time to get up. But anyway, we made it here. All the candidates, what I see so far, basically want the same thing, just different avenues to get there. And that my avenue is a more direct approach. Um, I don't like procrastination. And that uh, I have a conflict resolution company that um, demands that things be rectified quickly. And this is one of my skills. Why I'm running this time around is basically I don't see uh, this school board doing what they said they were going to do. Uh, Raise the bar. Safer workplace. Safer learning place. I don't know what's going on. Uh, We're in a deficit. There's so many things that this board, I think, is trying to do that they are lost. And have the experience to direct them. I don't see any leadership in this board. I don't see any confidence. And basically, a work-safe environment is most important. That is number one. We're losing teachers. We're losing students because of this. Whistleblower policy would be an asset that I don't think people understand about the whistleblower. You have to have individuals willing to come forward and virtually go against the green. If they see something that they do not feel is right, they must they must come forward. That's the only way that we can fix anything. Um, criticism, constructive criticism, I've always maintained that. I've always wanted it, whether I was working for a corporation or running the family corporation. I always insisted on constructive criticism. And this board needs the leadership to do it. And that, and I think I'm the right person to do it. I got the skill sets to do it. And I want to raise the bar. Um, people say that um, everybody has to be equal. I am so far against that. Our gifted child needs to be encouraged. Otherwise, they just drop out because they know more than really what we're teaching them. The needy child, if there is such a thing as a needy child, even a gifted child is a needy child because they need the ability for the support to raise themselves up. Mm -hmm. A needy child that has difficulty learning needs the same thing, just needs the help to lift themselves up. And this is what I want to see. All right. And I'm going to say one more thing. There's a budget coming up. And supply and support are the go-to area where the boards always want to cut. Not this time. Not going to happen if I'm elected. 
I will allow the minister to take the board down before the cuts to supply and uh, support. All right, We're well, already to the bottom of that. That raises an interesting point, so we'll probably come back to that later. So we'll go to Char now, or uh, Char McCrory. Um, what is your assessment of the state of SD57 right now? We currently have, first and foremost, a budget to pass. Mm-hmm. So that is top of mind for me. We have a new board of education with a by-election. So that leads to the need to build capacity and um, knowledge within a new board in a really quick way, considering the summer is coming. Um, What stands out most for me is we are not meeting the needs of the students. So the needs of the students are not only academic, their social, emotional, their mental well-being, and their cultural and environmental needs. So to me, that's where we need to focus our our energy moving forward is to bring the district to a level where we're focusing on those supports for students and bringing student achievement to a level of where it is it needs to be where kids are succeeding where they're feeling like they can do the best they can do and be the best they can be uh the other thing for me is that i think that we need to build on relationships throughout the district so with our partner groups with our stakeholders with our communities with our parents and we have to really work on our transparency our accountability and our responsibility okay well thank you all right so um milton um what about you i mean you covered that okay david all right we'll go to david on that one milton's Uh, saying i took enough time so (laughs) david we'll go with you what is your assessment of the state of sd57 thank you very much um I have five points that we need to improve in this district. If this district was doing well, none of us would be running. Uh, but we, first of all, are going to have to tackle the budget, which Char already re- already mentioned. Uh, the shortfall, what we're going to do, where we're going to get the money, etc., how we're going to raise more money. Uh, as an entrepreneur, there's things that we can do outside the box uh, that we can actually uh, meet that budget and balance it. The second thing is that there's been bickering and partisan positions, uh, which has distracted the school board and caused much tension. I think we need to get over that. We need to work together as a team and make decisions that really relate to proper education. Uh, third thing is that there's no financial structure to teach students a, uh, in the high school to make them ready for after school. In my profession of credit counseling, I get people coming into my office all the time and saying the school never taught them anything about money. Well, why not? That's the most important part when you get out of school. What are you going to do about money? You're going to use money, you're going to abuse money, or you're going to consume money every single day. So I think I have a plan uh, to educate high schools and I have a plan to uh, to educate parents when their kids are only in elementary school and how they can, even if they're a low income, how they can get their students to have hope for the future and be able to put their kids into college without having to pay. 
The third, the fourth thing is hiring. We need more teachers. We need more EAs, educational assistants. And I have a plan to inspire and to motivate people, even in our district, uh, to come on board and to reward people. And the last thing is uh, the low grading of our community, uh, educational standard, is very poor. Uh, we have the lowest educational standard schools in the entire province, and our schools and large are in the lowest 25% of the entire province. We don't seem to be addressing that at all. Nobody seems to be concerned about that. We just simply say, oh, well, that's maybe it'll be better next year, but it's never better next year. So I have a plan on how to improve the educational standard of our community. All right. Okay. Well, we will go for a break now, and we'll come back and uh, talking to Milton Mahoney, David Lowe, and Shar McCurry. Do you like a good bluegrass song? Enjoying hearing music from the likes of Bill Monroe, Rhonda Vincent, and the Lakeside Ramblers? Then tune in to Backporch Pickens Sunday evenings at 5 on 93.1 CFIS FM for an hour of great bluegrass old and new. I'm Corey Walker and I'm thrilled to take you on a musical journey each week as we explore the world of North American bluegrass. Catch Backporch Pickens Sunday nights at 5 only here on 93.1 CFIS FM. Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. The CNIB Wheels of Fortune Car Raffle and 50-50 Draw are underway. You could win a totally refurbished 1964 Mercury Comet Caliente. All proceeds support CNIB programs in B.C. Tickets for both the Car Raffle and 50-50 Draw are available at cnib.rafflenexus.com. Grand prize draws will be made August 8th. The CNIB Wheels of Fortune Car Raffle and 50-50 Draw. B.C. Gaming License Numbers 139745 and 139102. Purchase your tickets by August 7th. Forecast from Environment Canada. Sunny today, increasing cloudiness this afternoon, a high of 23 with a high UV index. Cloudy tonight, rain beginning late this evening with a low of 11. For Friday, showers ending late in the afternoon, then cloudy, wind becoming west 30 in the afternoon, and a high of 16. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, Trudy, back here with uh, the last three school district trust, uh, 57 candidates for the by-election happening this Saturday. Uh, and I just want to say before we move on that the voting is from 8 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Saturday at Glenview, Heritage, Malaspina, Pineview, and Van Bien Elementary Schools. All right, so um, let's move on to the next question. Um, how, one of the questions that I had and, and had a little bit of a, a conversation about on Facebook uh, was about opportunities for students that are advanced or maybe even gifted. And I know that, you know, there aren't, like, technically there aren't that many gifted children, but, I mean, how does this, a public school system that is already is struggling all the time with funding, how, does, how do we make sure that those students are not left behind? Uh, starting with Char. So, in my opinion, every student in the district is gifted. 
in some way. So I'm not, sh- if you're looking at higher academic? Academic, yes. Okay. So I think that we're not supporting students at any level to the to the base where they need, and we have to provide supports for them. I think that all students deserve to have support at the level they're at, whether that be, you know, wherever they are on the spectrum of academia, they need to be supported, and they need to be given the resources, the tools, and staff to be able to help them to learn and grow. Okay. Uh, Milton, how about you? The more you can educate the children, uh, children are basically uh, lazy. Uh, I was lazy. I didn't do thing, anything till I was absolutely forced to do it, and the same as education. If a student is academically superior than the rest of the children, they become bored. And they have to have an outlet. They have to have the support so that they can grow. And I always say we strive for excellence. Now, the, the children that are not as gifted in academics are gifted in something. Yeah. They have to have the same opportunity to achieve excellence. That's all education is about, to create people that can contribute to society. All right. I want to comment on the budget just just briefly. Everybody's all worried about the budget. I'm not worried at all. $2.3 million out of a $200 million budget is chicken feed. There is always surplus in some areas. We have to take that surplus. We have to redistribute. We have to do so many things that are not in the norm. Dave said it right. we got to think outside the box. Simple as that. Um, we're spending so much money on trying to retain teachers, trying to recruit teachers. It's not working. Why? Because our school system, our district is unsafe. You got you, There's so many things to tackle. Okay. And that, and we got to get our priorities straight. All right. I think we'll probably have time to come back to some of those. So I'll just move on though to David. What was our question? The question was about gifted students. That's right. In our community. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you got. And I'm glad that. we've got some. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. So my granddaughter was one of those gifted students down at the coast. And so they had in one of the high schools designated a class, uh, a classroom and a, and a particular teacher so that all gifted students within a catchment area could go to that one school. And that one school, these students were challenged. And it's not just you get higher education or you get um, harder things, but that they did more projects to develop the cognitive part of their brain so that they can take what they're learning and apply it to real life. And so their projects uh, were more intensive than the regular school. So I think it's a great idea, just like I think... Um, all the people in our catchment area will go to a particular school to take band and music classes. They don't have to be in every school, but they should have the right to do that. And uh, besides that, the music students and gifted students are the least um, troubled students in school because of their application, their intensiveness, and the way that their brains are working. Say that again, that last part? The the. People, the students that are in uh, music classes and 
and whether that's band or, or that is choir or the people that go to um, who are in the gifted classes they're more challenged they're more directed uh, they are the least students that would ever be in trouble in a classroom or because they, their attention is now received whereas in a regular classroom a gifted student would be the kid that in the chair and bugging other kids and and uh, <laughs> and really a pain to be around for a teacher because they're not being challenged and how can one teacher challenge everybody in different levels of education it's it's very difficult for teachers all right well thank you so did i get all of you with that question yes okay all right so milton you were just mentioning about the the budget you said chicken feed um do you want to expand on that or do you want to expand on what uh, david just said about uh, students that are in the music and possibly, like I would say, probably even sports programs that that they are usually better students academically as well, uh, just for the for the opportunity. I can't expand on that too much for the simple reason is is that he's talking bringing every child up to excellence. Yeah, that's that's. I think we all want that. Mm-hmm. We're going to just different avenues, um, sports or music or academia. It doesn't matter. But the children to succeed. I had a friend, an autistic. She had an autistic child. I've got an organ. And she started pounding on this organ. Well, you know something? that Their parents was uh, very upset. And I said, can't break it. Yeah. Before the end of the night, she was doing simple tunes. Hmm. She died when she was 40 years old, but from the time that she was 32 up, she traveled North America playing for different concerts. And, and I can't say the word sympathies or the symphony, you know, the big orchestra. The symphony. Yeah. And that, so it shows that everybody has a gift. We have to find the gift we got when we have to bring it out of the, out of the children. All right. And that, okay, we talked about the balance. I said it's chicken feed, $200 million budget. $2.3 million isn't much. All right. When it comes right down to it, because there's always different areas that have surplus. Yes. You have to draw from that. Do we need better financial management? Yes. Are all the expenses this school district's problem? No. The government, Minister of Education, threw different programs at us, and we have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. And that when I'm elected, the chair of the district has to send me down to Victoria to start rattling doors. Because a politician does not like to be embarrassed. (laughs) And I'm good at it. All right. Okay, Dave. um, David, what would you do about balancing the budget? Where would you find that? I mean, I I think for most parents, they're listening to the uh, deficit discussions and going... Oh, great. That means that more supports will be removed from classroom. Teachers will be not hired, etc. So what is your approach on that? There are um, extra funds that are available that can be used to reduce it just down to, as Milton said, only $300,000. I'm a financial guy. It's what I do in my life. I balance budgets. I help people eliminate debt. Uh, So the actual inner is working of the financial means and and what the treasurer does I'm not sure the full structure I will be honest but because that's my field of expertise 
it won't take me long to figure out um, where we should allocate money, where we should maintain the funds, and where um, we would hate to use the word cut. That should be a bad three-letter word, (laughs) C-U-T. But we need to reallocate maybe some money that is um, being wasted, Possibly, if we could find where that is. And we can involve the community in other ways whereby we can actually fund things for schools, like they do the hospital. Mm-hmm. Why can't we, the community, uh, get together? Instead of raising all of our taxes all the time, uh, why can't we get together and why can't we do something for our school district to bring in a more excellent education? All right. Okay, Shar, uh, we'll be. I'll come back to you after the break, and but in the we'll take a break now. Minds in Motion is a weekly program provided online for people experiencing early symptoms of dementia and their care partners. Each session has a 30-minute fitness video followed by 45 minutes of social time. Sessions are offered Tuesday and Wednesday from 10 to 11:30, and Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 1 to 2:30. Call the first link at Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-6033 or email info.helpline at alzheimerbc.org. You hear a lot of older people complaining about younger people, but you don't often hear about a Grandma Peggy who feeds strange teenagers breakfast before school on a Wednesday morning. If she is real, we need an army of Grandma Peggy's in this city. Dr. Michael Ziegler with a story of how God's love is being poured out just around the corner this week on the lutheran hour be listening for the lutheran hour sunday mornings at eight here on 93.1 cfis fm are you thinking of selling your business it's dave fuller here a business coach and a business broker living right here in prince george the challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business if you are getting ready to retire and sell your business give me a call 250-617-7467 and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats. Founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982, Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hey, we're back. Trudy Clausen here with School District Trustee Candidates Shar McCrory, David Lowe, and Milton Mahoney. Uh, we just didn't finish up on uh, asking about the budget and that budget shortfall. And we have, Shar, uh, what do you have to say about that? How would you, what are sort of the things that you'd be looking at to make up that deficit? So the first thing I want to say is it's not unusual for a district to go into the budget approval process in a deficit with a shortfall because the, the, the issue is deeper than, you know, meeting the, the balanced budget. The issue, in my opinion, is the funding formula. The funding formula for students within the province of BC is a cookie cutter model where every student get is allocated the same amount of money. So regardless of whether 
you're a student in a Richmond school or a student in a Prince George school, the amount of money that the ministry gives per student is the same. Every school in every district has unique needs and unique asks, as does every student. So we need to look at that differently. And I don't know where that's at at a, at a provincial level, but that's one thing I think we could advocate for as a board is pushing forward that the funding formula needs to change to meet the diverse needs of each community in each district. I, there's also the issue of declining enrollment. So not only do we have to look at this year, we have to look at the long-term plan and what that looks like and how do we project that and how do we resolve that now and be proactive rather than reactive in balancing the budget. And then, of course, when we look at cuts, we want to look what is going to have the least impact on students in schools Mm -hmm. when we cut. Because if you look at the budget, I'm not sure the exact percentage, but it's over 80% is already in staff wages and benefits. So if the entire budget, 80% of it is already allocated, you can imagine at what amount is going out to the schools and to the students. So we really have to look at how we can cut where it's not going to have direct impacts on students. And in a school district, when you're limited on the budget amounts, that's very difficult. Okay. Well, that's actually, um, I might do another round on this because this is, that's, I, I'm intrigued by what you said and it just occurred to me that, okay, so from that, that 20% that's left over, that roughly 20%, um, so maybe Milton, I'll give you first shot at this. Um, does Do you have to pay for the school buildings as well, or is it just the maintenance thereof? We have to pay anything with the school district. So with the buildings, the land, everything is yes. included in the 20%? Absolutely. Woo! And that, uh, are you finished? Yeah. Do you want me to talk? Now? Yeah, now, oh, you, now you can talk. I wasn't sure you are giving me that look. <laughs> and that <laughs> jar hit her right on the head. And if you look at my Facebook, I said basically the same thing. Yeah. So I'm not going to dwell on that. There's no sense saying it twice. We're not running at full capacity. And that, as far as staffing goes, we're short all the way around. Mm. People do not want to stay here. And I'm going to go back to the safety of the environment. Okay. We have to fix that first. Uh, Shar and I talked about this um, uh, whistleblower. I think that's the most important thing that we can get into, and that, uh, Shar, they implemented a whistleblower in Terrace, was it? Yeah. And that, and it took them a year. Mm. And my comment to that was that it was too long. I'm more of a straightforward type guy when it comes to the whistleblower, the safety thing. Implement it, work on it later, because there's so much out there follow the provincial standard but have a paragraph within your own district stating that employees students will be safe if they come forward no repercussions whatsoever now i'm sort of got away from the budget didn't i you did (laughs) the budget like i say 2.3 million dollars schools got surplus the districts got surplus i totally agree with what char said is that Every district is unique. 
$8,025, I think, per student. I could be wrong on that, yeah. but it's around there somewhere. Vancouver, they get a surplus because they don't have to spend $5 million on snow removal. Mm-hmm. They don't have to spend another $3 million on heat. They put it into the education. They got Most schools got state-of-the-art equipment. We're working with stuff that's 40 years old. Mm. And we are going to have to find, as Dave pointed out, industry programs to receive money. Variety of Kids, which I'm a big donor to, they have a program. If a school district can raise $10,000 or $5,000 or $2,000, they'll match it up to up to $10,000. So there you are. You're sitting with a kitty of $20,000. Mm-hmm. The high schools are running 40-year-old table saws, for example. For, with uh, $20,000, we can go out and we can buy five hmm. of these state-of-the-art saws that p- children don't lose their fingers on. Hmm. Okay. We're going to have to look. We're going to have to go outside the box and that because uh, the way of thinking today is the same thinking as 30 years ago and that and this board that's in there right now has been caught up they're overwhelmed they're caught up in the thinking of 20 30 years ago and um, i'm going to change that because uh, enough um, nonsense let's get on with it okay and i'm not there to make friends okay all right david um how do you do you think that gives or puts us at a disadvantage because one of the things, like the 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 fact that the funding is the same in the Lower Mainland and, and compared to here, um, because we do have those extra costs of winter, um, do you think that's a big enough factor that would make the difference? No, I don't think so. Um, first of all, I don't always trust what goes on in Victoria, to be honest with you. And it seems like if there's going to be an advantage to be held... It's going to be the lower mainland that gets the advantage. Therefore, uh, in changing the structure to say it's according to need, all of a sudden the higher um, inf- the, the inflation rate or the higher cost of living in the lower mainland will come to the forefront. And they'll say, oh, well, that means that we need three quarters of the budget down here. And you guys in the north get to be... Uh, get whatever is left over. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really nervous about um, changing the structure unless we have something well thought of, whereby we don't um, <clears throat> get shorted in the long run. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Char, would you like to add your la- final thoughts on the budget? Uh, I would just say that I think it's going to be a rapid. Um, regardless of who is um, elected, it's going to be a rapid learning curve for somebody who doesn't have knowledge of what the budget is like and what that process is like because there has to be a balanced budget passed by the end of June as per the Ministry, Ministry of Education. So I my hope is that whomever is elected that they can get sworn in prior to the actual board meeting date so at least they can have some catch-up and maybe some um, some learning around what that process is and what that looks like if they haven't had experience with it previously. All right. Okay, we will take a break and we'll be back after this. 
The School District 57 by-election is set for Saturday, and everyone in the Prince George electoral area is encouraged to get out and vote. Glenview, Heritage, Malaspina, and Pineview Elementary Schools, along with the Van Bien Training Center, will be open from 8 to 8 for balloting. The nominees are Lucy Duncan, Don Fitzpatrick, Sarah Holland, David Lowe, Milton Mahoney, Dusty Martin, Char McCrory, Heather McKenzie, Bill Price, and Josh Silva. Please bring two pieces of identification to prove identity and residency. Join the Prince George Lawn Bowling Club for an enjoyable outdoor activity at Watrous Park. All you need is a pair of running shoes. They'll provide the bowls and the instruction. Games take place Tuesday mornings at 10, Wednesday evenings at 7, Thursday afternoons at 1, and Sunday afternoons at 2. Teams are drawn from those who show up. Well, try it out. Lawn Bowling, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays at Watchers Park, just north of the 5th Avenue KFC. On June 26th, Prince George City Council will consider the 2022 Annual Report. The Annual Report is available for review online at princegeorge.ca slash annual report. Paper copies are available for viewing at City Hall Monday to Friday between 8.30 and 5. If you wish to comment or ask questions about the Annual Report, you are invited to address Council at the June 26th meeting. Written comments must be submitted to the City's Corporate Officer by 5 p.m. June 20th to be included on the Council meeting agenda. Forecast from Environment Canada, sunny today, increasing cloudiness this afternoon, a high of 23 with a high UV index. Cloudy tonight, rain beginning late this evening with a low of 11. For Friday, showers ending late in the afternoon, then cloudy, wind becoming west 30 in the afternoon, and a high of 16. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back with School District candidates, David Lowe, Char McCrory, and, and Milton Mahoney. Milton, I'm going to toss you this question first. Um, we had, the reason that we have this by-election is because we had two two board members who have been involved with the district for a long time abruptly resign. Uh, what makes you think that you won't do the same thing? Like, why should voters vote for you? And think because a lot of them will be thinking, well, what's the point? They're just going to resign. That's a very easy question to answer. I was elected in a former by-election. I was one vote. I was one voice going against six. I did get cooperation from sometimes from one of the other trustees, mm-hmm. which I appreciated. I was able to curve the board on on some aspects. But I took nine months of hell, and that they were coming at me every which way. If I was going to quit, I'd, I'd quit then. Um, through training, and that is that when it basically when it gets going gets tough, you get tougher. Whatever you want to say, but no, um, I'm in. I'm in for this term, and that uh, I am not going to back down because what I feel for the safety of our students and teachers. And for the conditions that they're working in, I want to work very closely with the unions, with the association, with the stakeholders. I want to work very closely with the board. But before being a lone voice, I am prepared just to go public and that and let the public know. Transparency is the most important thing that we can have for the public's awareness. And I think the board will follow. I really do and that uh, for those aspects to make it a better place. And I think we have to go right back to the basics of education. We've lost that. All right. David. Because of my master's degree in counseling fields, I have lots of experience in conflict resolution. 
when people major on minors, when they major on what uh, we have uh, to be different about, when, when they major on these things that cannot help but produce division, cannot help but produce partisan positions that are inflexible, and you can't come together on them. That's why we've had the resignations. So I believe that we as a board can focus on education of students and the safety of all those that are in our our schools and put away that which has divided us and come to an agreement that we're going to push ahead and we're going to accomplish what we have been uh, elected to do. And we have not been elected to fight amongst ourselves. We're not being, we have not been elected to take partisan positions. We have not been elected to get stuck on these issues. So uh, we need to... Uh, I'm continue on. So I'm a continue on kind of guy. Uh, I have four adult children that I work with in uh, in business, in financial investments, and we all get along. If you can get along with your own kids, you, you can get along <laughs> with anybody. You know, you know. And I and I I still get along with my wife. Isn't that nice? After 52 years, so I think uh, there's no reason if you got people with the same mindset to function as a school board ought to function. That just should be anybody resigning. All right. Sure. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know if I can follow you after that. <laughs> just, say, just say ditto. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say ditto. What I'm going to say first is that I would just like to acknowledge Betty and Jillian for putting the time and commitment into the district mm-hmm. that they have mm-hmm. for many, yes, many, many years. Yeah. So Absolutely. kudos to them. For myself personally, I have been a, a trustee. I know what the role is. And I've been in difficult situations and scenarios in that role in the other, in another district. I'm committed to the district if I'm elected. I'm committed to the students. I'm committed to the teachers, to the staff, to the district as a whole. How are we going to be productive and effective, I think, comes from having a common voice. And perhaps that is happening now, but from the outside, it doesn't look as such. So we really have to work on building relationships, building trust, being collaborative, and having the common goal, the common ground, which is students, which is the district. So I am committed to building on those relationships with fellow trustees, if I'm elected, to get to that point. I also feel that we really have to focus on developing our governance role and what that is. We have people who are new to the Board of Education and new to being trustees, and perhaps if we had more, um, you know, collaborative work on that, that we may be able to work better together. And that's my hope, is working better together. Because I think if we can start that foundation, and we can spread that throughout the district. So that's my hope. My commitment is that if I'm elected, I will be committed. And I've been in a difficult in difficult scenarios as a as a board chair as a trustee previously and we have to work through those things conflict resolution if we have to but i think it's important to be um, committed to the common goal of the district and our vision our strategic plan and working together all right okay thank you i think we'll take a break now and we'll come back for the last segment after this 
The downtown branch of the Prince George Public Library will be the location for a Know Your Rights workshop on June 29th. Hosted by the BC Civil Liberties Association, the workshop aims to make sure people know what their rights and civil liberties are and how to take action and fight back against injustice. This workshop is aimed at adults and is a free drop-in event. Know Your Rights, June 29th from 6 to 7.30 at the downtown branch of the Public Library. Attention Prince George fashionistas, discover LA Fashion and Apparel, your ultimate destination for stunning women's clothing at 1661 Spruce Street or online at lafashion.ca. Find a curated selection of fashion-forward garments that will make heads turn. Shop from the comfort of your home and enjoy free delivery in Prince George. Elevate your style and embrace your confidence with LA Fashion and Apparel. Visit 1661 Spruce Street or lafashion.ca. LA Fashion and Apparel where fashion meets passion. Elbin Classical presents Classical Downtown Saturday, June 24th at First Baptist Church. This evening chamber concert features oboist Erica Scalron, clarinetist Simon Cole, violist Jose Delgado Govera, and pianist Hannah Kang playing works from three classical masters as well as two by Jose Delgado Govera, including the world premiere of Him for oboe, clarinet, and viola. Admission is free thanks to grants from the City of Prince George and the Musicians Performance Trust Fund. Classical Downtown, 7.30 Saturday, June 24th at First Baptist Church, 5th and Gillette. The Prince George Potter's Guild is hosting Surface Decorating with Slips and Underglazes with Karen Heathman. In this three-hour class, you will learn how to decorate with slips, transferring patterns, slip trailing, painting, carving, and building layers. Cost is $65 with registration available on the Potter's Guild webpage under Programs at Studio2880.com. Surface decorating with slips and underglazes. Sunday from 1 to 4 at the Prince George Potter's Guild. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station. 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back with David Lowe, Char McCrory, and Milton Mahoney. So uh, during the break, we were deciding, okay, what's our next question? And it's like, okay, our, our listener group is generally, generally 55 plus. A lot of those people do not have children in school anymore. So why should they bother voting? Sure. So voting is a democratic right that every person over 18 who is a resident of British Columbia and has lived in BC for over six months has a right to do. In order for us to live and work and play in our community, it's important that we have a voice. And every person has the right to vote on the school board election of trustee. I think it's important because the budget for the school district is around $200 million and taxpayers' dollars. So most people are taxpayers in our community, and so they have a voice. They have a right to say who should represent overseeing those funds. Fun fact, that's what I do, uh, the the budget for the city of Prince George is about $150 million. So the school board budget is more than the city of Prince George. So we are looking at the future of our community in our students. How do we best serve those students? That is the choice and the voice that constituents can make by voting for the right people to get in, to represent them at the table. And it's all our taxpayers' dollars that are supporting the education system. 
Okay, thank you. So, Milton, what have you? Why do you think somebody who, let's say, they're the demographic of our, uh, they're the average demographic, fifty-five plus. You don't have kids in school. Why should they bother voting? If they care about their grandchildren, if they care about their friends who have children in the schools, they'll get out and vote. Right now, we're graduating people, on the most part, are functioning illiterates, and that. Uh, I've got letters from parents, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. They're saying, please, do something. My child can't read. And yet they're going to graduate. That's wrong. If you're over 55 and you know children that are in the school system, always remember, if the child is not taught to the fullest extent for excellence, they're going to be our future doctors, lawyers, politicians, and they're the ones that are going to be looking after us when we hit our 80s. And if we don't give them a proper education, Lord help us. Mm-hmm. Okay. David Lowe, how about you? What do you think? Why, why should somebody who doesn't have kids in the school system bother to vote? And it could be actually some young people, right, as well? Well, everyone over 55 usually has children. And if you have children, you've got grandchildren. And you are paying taxes to the government, to the school district, for the school district to operate. I think that if I was paying somebody money to fix my car, I'd want them to fix it properly and to do a good job. I didn't want to just give them money for nothing. So if you're giving money to the school district, you need to make sure that the people who run the school district, who are the trustees, are doing a good job. Going to do a good job for your money's worth, doing a good job for your grandchildren's education and stability and safety. So you maybe need to ask your children what they would like to see for their children uh, as far as a trustee. I'm sure that uh, there is there is two, at least two out of the ten people running that would qualify for to help your grandchildren succeed. Hmm. All right. That's really, really well done. Um, okay, so I have one question from uh, from one of my listeners here just asking, just a little bit concerned, like, okay, well, what about the kids that are disadvantaged and rural schools? How do we raise the bar in those areas? So maybe what we'll do, because we have limited time, is mm-hmm. I'll, like if you could take 30 seconds to respond to that question, starting with maybe maybe we'll start with David. I have kids in the rural area, uh, in this school district, and uh, what I understand is that their level of education, their level of attention is greater in the rural area than it is in the, um, or in the, I'm sorry, in the outer areas that is right in the rural area. So if you go to a country school, you're privileged. You're not, it's not a disgrace to go there. You're privileged because you're going to have smaller class sizes. You're going to have teachers who, who tend to love that area and love those students greater than those that are in the uh, city centers. So um, uh, they have, we give them all the help they need and they seem to take it and they thrive on it. Okay, sure. So I come from a district that has diverse sizes of schools and Stewart yeah. Stewart is one of the schools that we support supported in school yes. district 82 as well as very large schools in Terrace and Kitimat so what we strive for as a board and as a district is equity mm-hmm. so 
not are we going to be able to offer a hockey program in Stewart that we could <coughs> offer in Terrace for students. Right. Yeah. But perhaps we could offer some other kind of extra, you know, added course that would help students in that community. So what we strive for in not having big differences between urban and rural is that we try for equity. We try to offer as much opportunity as we can to the rural communities. And what I would like to say... Even if it looks different. Even if it looks different. Because like I said before, each school has unique needs. And the other thing that I think that I would like to mention is our teachers, our educators will respond to the needs of their classrooms. They know those kids better than anybody, and they're committed, regardless of whether they're urban or rural. They are committed to their students, to their learning, and they do everything that they can with the support of their of their support staff to make their learning experiences positive. Okay. All right. Milton, how do you respond to that question? Ditto. <laughs> I know, I was really quite impressed with the answers here. Yeah, no, what it boils down to is, is that every school, whether it's rural or whether it's in the city or whatever, they all have their needs. And it's up to the school board, the school district, to meet the needs. Um, hockey. Uh, in the city, there's a hockey rink. In the country, there may not be one. But they have other needs. It's up to us to make sure that the needs for the students are covered to the best of our ability. We're not going to be able to make it 100%. We're not. Yeah. No sense fooling ourselves about that, but we can, we can strive to make it the best that we can. can, that we can. All right. Okay. Um, that is a really good answer to that question because I think it's often a mistake that we think that everything has to be exactly the same, and you cannot. And... So you have to find ways that work best for that community. And, and I remember when the clu- schools were closing during that period of time, uh, there was a one of our neighbor kids, he was like, I think, 10, and he got up and he spoke so eloquently about the beauty of the rural school and what it meant to him. And I was like, I was floored because this and just... I really, I, I don't like that conversation when people say either that kids from rural areas are disadvantaged or that children from poor homes are necessarily less academically gifted because that has very little to do with it. It's, and, and even like just because you're poor doesn't mean you can't learn. And, uh, I, I'm, that I think is really important for us always to remember. So I'm going to give you each, oh gosh, now I've talked too much. I'm out of town, or out of time. Uh, I'm out of town. I'm also out of town. So, okay, just a reminder to everyone, uh, vo- uh, General Voting Day, again, is at elementary schools, uh, Glenview, Heritage, Malaspina, Pineview, and Van Bien on Saturday, and just the regular voting hours from 8 to 8. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, all right. you very much. Get out and vote, people. Please vote. Yes. Oh, and get and grab somebody else. And, and bring them. a friend. Bring a neighbor. There we go. And tomorrow we uh, resume this uh, radio show with the political panel. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. 
Theme music is by The Ebbs. Listen for a rebroadcast of today's program tonight at 10. And for past shows, check out the archives link at cfisfm.com. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFISFM Prince George, proudly supported by local organizations like the Multicultural Heritage Society. Check them out online at multiculturalheritage.com.